From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Stop looking at pictures, Brett. It's time to talk. I'm looking at fish. Time for talkies. That's the best part of this. Yeah. Okay. I don't – okay. Let's be honest about what this is going to be. Okay. I don't care if no one else listens to this. Okay. Uh Uh-oh. All I want to know is – and you you can – since Brett's the one who wrote the book on fishing in Utah, (laughs) I want to know the best spots to go. I don't want lakes. I want locations on lakes. Ready? Go. Rainbow trout. The place where the fish are. No. Okay, this is not acceptable. Fish move. I don't know no. if you know that, but they move around in the water. They don't just, like, have a mailbox and set up shop and sit there and wait. be a lot more. It'd that's be a lot why, that's why you know, when you go fishing, you actually, when you shore fish, you can actually catch fish because they come around. Let's say you had a friend coming to town. Let's, you had a friend. That's a big coming thing, to town. Yeah. I know. Okay. And they said, Brett, I love to fish. Where would you take them in order to ensure the best experience possible let me let me narrow this down just a little bit. no no yeah, okay yeah, the state let, me, of let utah. me just do this because the i'm gonna state say of utah all right i'm gonna make it very completely esoteric and say i don't care if we catch fish you said experience you know your friend fish. your okay. friend cares no, your no, friend cares a I lot think this is the difference between you and me kevin is i see eye to eye with mr brett Pritchard. <laughs> this way absolutely neither one of you knows what you're talking no, about because i don't care if you wrote for, the book. as far as it, the only thing that fishing provides to me is opportunity to hang with friends and to be outside catching fish is a distant third fourth maybe even a fifth uh reason why i like to carry a rod and reel when i go next to a body of water i don't care who goes with me <laughs> I don't care. I do care if they talk a lot because I don't like big talkers. And you better catch fish. So, okay. All right. We'll go with your answer, okay. Brett. And you don't care if you catch fish. Best experience, where are you going to take them? That's such a trick question. Because, it's not. No, because you're not. You, I mean, I could send you to, you know, Fish Lake and you can catch perch after perch after perch. But is that going to appease you? Me? Yes. Yeah, well, okay. Well, some people don't want to catch, you know, perch that you can barely fillet so you can eat them, you know? I mean... But they are really tasty. You could catch one every cast. Okay. Okay, go there. We'll see you. Have fun. Okay, but... W- <laughs> all right. Where are you taking your friend? That being said, I love fish like... The best fishing experience. Oh. Because obviously you, just, you're already bored with the perch. You were bored talking about them, much less catching them, so... Well, so... So my t- my first answer is my first love and what I call my home river, the green. Okay. Below Flaming Gorge. I mean, you know, chances are extremely high that even if you're a first-time fly fisherman, you're going to catch fish. Right. Um, why, why is that? Is it because it's just well-stocked? Is it well-preserved? Is it just people take care of it? Is it not overfished? What's, why is the Green River such a great spot? Uh, elements of all you, what you just said. Um, basically, there's depending on the year, there's anywhere from 12,000 to 18,000 trout per square mile, Beautiful. per river mile on the green. That's like the population of like a block of Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> there are um, ample fish, and you know um, sometimes that can be amazingly um, fun and great, and sometimes it can be really frustrating because you can see them. You can see them rising. You can see them in the water. It's the water below the dam is very clear, and you can see there's I don't want to say millions, but there's very many fish in there, and um, chances are 
pretty high you're going to catch one, especially if you go with a guide and a dory and all that kind of stuff. It gets a little more complicated. I've been skunked on the green, it, um, but the quality of the experience more than made up for, you know, that one time that it happened. <laughs> My question is, I was, trying, I was trying to put a little bit more of a, like a search filter on what Kevin was asking. It's like, let's say just in Salt Lake City proper, like, you know, because um, I've been driving around West Valley City a lot, and I see, I think it's the Jordan River as I'm crossing over mm-hmm. on the 201. There seems to be a lot of water in the city itself, uh, especially after all this rain. Like, where are, like, urban fishing spots that you might have a chance to catch a fish? The Division of Wildlife has a really strong community fisheries program where they team up with um, communities and um, where there's existing ponds. Um, one of the most popular is Willow Pond in Murray, mm-hmm. not far from uh, the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are stocked pretty heavily. Um, this time of year, they're stocked with rainbows predominantly because uh, uh, they can survive right now. Um, in July and August, they they're cold water fish and they don't do, do so well this low elevation and shallow water mm-hmm. so they stop planting rainbows and they start putting in channel catfish predominantly so there's always something to catch and um, I was just talking to a, a guy at the barber shop today about um, his son and he's 13 he lives in Utah County and you know he's he's finding all the local community fisheries um, and they're his destination after school and on weekends so there are a lot of good opportunities that are close, and that's what they're for. They're there to get kids um, who can't, uh, you know, get out, whose parents may not, you know, want to take them or can't take them. They're single family, you know, single parent families, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And that's what they're for. Um, you know, for, you know, I grew up sneaking down to the creek by my house and um, in urban Salt Lake and and fishing. Um, and to me, that was my urban fishery. And uh, these community fisheries that they have across the state um, are, they take good care of them and, and for good reason. Well, you know, so that's, I guess that's part of the thing that Kevin was talking about is that uh, for those that don't know, Brett's going to be uh, take, uh, leaving the Tribune in a couple of days and you'll be working for Trout Unlimited. Yes. So um, let's kind of backtrack a little bit because I mean, we didn't talk about this on the last podcast. Like, how did an avid fisherman become a newspaper man? Um, well, I, you know, I wanted to write about what I love doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, the the story is, is that basically I wanted to be a wildlife biologist, uh-huh. um, and I realized there was too much math involved, which, <laughs> you know, makes me perfectly qualified to be a journalist. <laughs> and uh, then I decided that if I couldn't write about wildlife biology, that I, or that I, if I couldn't do it, then I could write about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how it happened. And I basically grew up reading the Tribune and Tom Morton and as the outdoor editor and and just really appreciated the way that he um, conveyed the importance of the outdoors to family and friends and mm-hmm. and to you know people's well-being and so when I was a junior at the University of Utah I had to do a working internship and I called the Tribune to try to get one and they only had a relationship with Utah State University at the time um, really? But I was offered a job instead, and I said, "I think that'll count." <laughs> I took a cut in pay to make minimum wage, and started the Tribune. Uh, so that's been how many years? Uh, it'll be 25 in July. Holy Toledo! Yeah. What's going to be your responsibilities working for Trout Unlimited? Uh, I'm going to be the Intermountain Communications Director, mm-hmm. which means I'll be over Utah, Wyoming, and Nevada, and I will um, also be over. Uh, project communications in Yellowstone. Oh, wow. So it's kind of, I mean, 
this is sort of like a dream job in a large way. Well, it takes one dream job to get you away from your other dream job. Yeah, in fairness, but um, with uh, as you're leaving, you know, like as you kind of, I want, I'm not, I don't want to go down a mountain or like down memory lane <laughs> for you to highlight particular stories and stuff like that. But what are some of the things as an angler living here in Utah that we should be worried about, or like you know, you've brought some attention to? You know, I th I think that. Uh, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest issues, the, the stream access issue is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, and that ongoing battle, that and it's not going to go away, it's going to continue. Is um, that because we have a lot of BLM land and it's a lot of farming, it's, it's, grazing? It's a lot of forest service land okay. that um, is under private ownership, and the big debate is about who owns the riverbed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, landowners in the state and the, and the legislature like to say that it's, you know, the landowners, and they, if there's landowners on both sides of the stream, they both own to the middle of the stream, whereas the Utah Supreme Court ruled that um, the stream bed belongs to the public mm -hmm. and for recreation and water purposes. So they have that um, access, right? Is, is this akin to that, like, wa like uh, whiskeys for drinking, waters for fighting? Uh, kind of, but not so much. I mean, it, it, it's because it's not really about the water. It's access to the water and, and where it is. And so that's going to be an ongoing issue. That's probably going to be... The, the number one issue um that's you know that that's something that is kind of tricky because a lot of people aren't even aware of it and and aren't even um uh you know a lot of people didn't take advantage of it when the short time that it was opened up and because they, they were nervous about the changes um these the lawsuits that are happening right now the one that was just decided on the weaver mm -hmm. um is still being kind of fuddled out and people are trying to figure out what does it mean uh, the bigger case on the Provo River um, coming out probably this later this fall is is going to do more of a kind of a big blow to access across the state and not in a big blow I don't mean take it away or it's it's probably the way a lot of people are thinking is it's going to open up stream access across the state on to you know I mean it, it and the biggest issue the landowners have with it is that a lot of them think that it means that it gives people the opportunity to trespass and that's not true the pi private property is still private mm -hmm. property and um this law or if this you know ruling would not take that opportunity away if somebody's on your property it's against the law yeah. um but i mean i've always operated on the premise that even in the middle of lower provost you know if you can get to it you can fish it is that, is that it's mostly true on the middle uh -huh. the lower is a little more tricky there is private property down there that um uh, you need to be aware of. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, a, the assumption is in a lot of cases, especially on those big waters is that everything is open. I mean, it just, it looks open. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in addition to writing about, about like water access and fishing, I mean, obviously you talk about the national parks is, uh, Kevin, you look like you had a heck of a vacation <laughs> over Memorial day. I did. You know, it's like, I, we live in one, I, in my estimation, one of the best states in the union for national parks and outdoor activities and stuff like that. What are some of the concerns about maybe them not privatizing national parks, but just BLM land and stuff? Is that kind of in the same vein when you're talking about access to the water? Yeah, I think it is. There's a there's a huge concern among uh, you know sportsmen who you know take advantage of of the the public lands for many different things from ATV riding to horseback riding to hunting and fishing. I mean, you know, if, if we lose public access to streams that are on private property, you know, we still have 
access on the Forest Service and the BLM. Um, and there's a lot of concerns that if, if you know, the, the public lands stuff goes through and, and the, it's handed over to the states, that that would evaporate, that they would start to sell that off. Um, because, you know, some of the studies show that the states could kind of afford to to manage the lands um, if oil is booming. <laughs> but if oil is not booming, then it's going to be a severe um, deficit. And what do you do? If you have something and you can't take care of it, what do you do? I mean, if you have a, you have three cars and all of a sudden you lose your job and you only need two, what are you going to do? You're going to sell it, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the fear. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of the legislators are saying that, no, that is not going to happen. But it's, it, you know, it's easy to say that now, but... Right. What will happen when, you know, the blank hits the fan? You know, like as much as I like going hiking and I like being outside and stuff like that, I went to the campus. I don't like the ATVs. You know, I, I see them tearing up the landscape. I see them as being a detriment. And, you know, it's like, and I love living in the West because you have this idea is like, you know, like, don't tread on me. You know, it's like almost a libertarian and how you're supposed to appreciate the outdoors. But, you know, with between the noise and, you know, I, rem- I you and I are I think we're the same, pretty close to the same age. Like, I remember when they were talking about those three-wheeler ATVs, how every every third kid was getting paralyzed on one. It's like, I think they're inherently dangerous, and I don't like it. I mean, is ATV use such a, uh, is there such a community that needs ATV road access roads and stuff like that? Or am I just, you know, nitpicking something that I don't care for? Well, uh, there is a community that... Um, appreciates the opportunity to ride um, and and many of them do it r- responsibly um, there are definitely like in every you know, s- yeah in, in every <laughs> well, case know. scenario that's a technical <laughs> term <yeah. laughs> he's a jerk and he's a weed that's right <laughs> there are people out there who ruin it for everybody so to speak you know and um, and uh, but there are people who do it responsibly and and that's the public lands are there for um, there are many people who you know, say, you know, um, I'm older, my knees are given out, I can't get around like I used to, I can't get off and walk like, you know, they, and that's their experience in the outdoors. Um, Which, it's hard not to be sympathetic to well, that. I, I well, agree, and, but... And let's be honest, there are plenty of walking <laughs> hikers who are jerkweeds, as you would like to... Absolutely. Who, you know, it, it, You're having been right. at the National Park, it... The sign said very clearly, stay on the path there. People, you're like, where are you going? Mm-hmm. What, like, wh- where are you? There's a re. So, mm-hmm. and, you're absolutely and, I, right. and I'm not an ATV fan myself. However, just because you're on your two legs doesn't mean that you're yeah, but you also not need, creating you don't damage. You 800 cc's to see arches, you know? Like, you, you could probably, there's ways. To there are it. parts of it you do. True, but, but you know what? There's right. also, I'd like to see uh, uh, K2, but, you know, if I can't make it to base camp, that's on me, you know? <laughs> Devil's Garden at the end of Arches, you know, that's right. a, that's an eight-mile tough hike that four miles would go to a riverbed that, you know, it's not – it's even, you know, even healthy hikers can't usually make that hike. You know, Well, that's not true. Um, you have to be at least pretty good shape to take – to do some of the hikes down in Arches. And I, I think the way. overall sense and, and, and probably one of the things that really does make Utah a great place to live is that you can – experience all those things that we just talked about right i mean as it is right now you can go on an atv in the west desert and not bug anybody you can go to arches and 
yell at people to stay on the path <laughs> and they might listen to you or they might not and if they don't stay on the path they might fall off of angels landing thousand feet to their death i'm glad you um, mentioned that one <laughs> but that. but they we're were jerkweed so who cares right. no so you know um you know darwinism right yeah. right um, so <laughs> so I, I do think that is one of the great things about utah is that it really does um present that opportunity to have special places like the national parks where people can go and experience the beauty with you know, um, if you can tolerate the crowds in yeah. many cases, um, and there are ways to avoid the crowds um, uh, without the sounds of OHVs. Um, but then there's there's places where people can go open full throttle and 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 have fun and hit the sand dunes and um, and that's important too. People, that's what the public lands are for: is diversity and opportunity, and um, that's a big reason why Utah works. And, and you know, and I think frankly, a lot of people miss the that that might go away if the states take over and get in jeopardy with the money and they can't do it, then they start selling that off and then all of a sudden you have to pay to do every single thing. Um, so so this, is, this is something that's been kind of like stuck in my craw. You, know, you can't have things stuck in your craw for too long. But uh, I've done They start angel, to stink. It starts to stink. But uh, I've done Angel's Landing twice. And um, the first, uh, I'm going to back up. The second time I did it, we did not actually summit because you've, you've obviously done it before. Right. Mm -hmm. With uh, for the listeners who don't, aren't familiar with Angels Lane, definitely Wikipedia this. But it's uh, or go to the Salt Lake Tribune Utah bucket list page. Yeah, go to the because it's even better. Thanks for the pitch on that. We'll edit that out. <laughs> you know, so correct me at any point that I'm telling a fact or something you think is wrong. So please stop me. But to get to the base of Angels Landing, it's about a three mile switchback hike from where you park the car or where the 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 the, tru the, uh, the bus drops you off at the base down by the river. And when you get to the top, uh, right before the base of where the Angels Landing is, you have like, exactly a half-mile hike to get to the top of there. As you're walking along there, they have a very thick black metal chain that's been dr uh, drilled into, posted into the wall. About, what do you think, about every 12 feet? It depends on this yeah, Still, stretch. Yeah, I don't think it's specific, but yeah. Yeah, but, is it, but for, uh, for the majority of that one-mile hike as you're going up there, you have a chain, uh, which is a handhold, to prohibit you from falling literally to your death. You know, I mean, it's at some points, I think it's got to be four to 500 feet, literally straight down. The last, uh, the, uh, the last time I did it, I, bat I stopped the hike. We decided not to continue any further because the crowds were way too much. And there was a fellow that was wearing flip-flops, carrying a bag from Walmart, <laughs> and he had slid down the hill, banged into my fiance, and then I caught my fiance before she could have taken a tumble or something else. And I remember, not a physical confrontation, but this moment going like, are you okay? And then like, get the hell away from <laughs> us, you know, for this moment. I, uh, like, I'm not a huge regulation guy, but I mean, how, how far out are we from maybe issuing permits to hike Angel's Landing? Or am I being such a, am I being overly protective on this one? You know, that's a tricky one. I mean, the you know, contrary to what a lot of, you know, people like to think, you know, the federal government doesn't try to restrict as much as they like yes, to think. I, there are obviously places where you have restrictions and numbers that are controlled, um, the Narrows and... Like um, Blue John Canyon, is mm -hmm. that one? And, you know, and, and the Wave and, yeah, and, the and wave places well. like that, you know, um, where there are certain numbers that they allow. Um, I think in the case of Angels Landing that... Um, <laughs> they probably <laughs> feel like it kind of controls itself in some ways. Uh, a guy in flip flops. I'm not sure how high up he made it. Um, I think he summited was heading all the way back. Well, that's good for him. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, no, yeah, not smart for doing that. <laughs> but um, 
you know, he probably ended up doing it barefoot because the flip flops probably broke. Oh, yeah. um, would be my guess. And and you know, if he didn't lose them when he was hiking along the chains, but the I think that in a case like that, they think that most people who you know, I they, it, that people kind of stop as they're going up and like I just can't do this, and they yeah. turn around. So, and then also there is a kind of um, theory or practice in in national parks, especially the very popular ones, of um, sacrifice some of the land for the rest. Yeah. And so they have these like super high profile places that they kind of say, all right, we're gonna let the masses go here and leave the other 98% of the park untouched. Oh, untouched. Okay. So it's kind of like you, the sacrificial ram or lamb or however you want to say ram. it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> um, so I, I think that they just try to deal with it the best they can there. You know, some of my, I think one of my best ever web stories was about the, the poop helicopter that flies up and retrieves the outhouse that's halfway up um, um, Angel's Landing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they, they they got it. They closed the trail so a helicopter can fly in there and lift a honey honey the bowl honey out. Bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, that's a really poopy job. I, uh, yeah, it really stinks. In yeah. your opinion, is that one of the diciest hikes in Utah? No, 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 because it's only the last half mile that's that's dicey. Uh, okay. And there's chains. Come on. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, the biggest threat there, I really think, is is uh, uh, those around you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, really. Well, as you pointed right. out, the guy didn't have good footing and and lost it. I I do think and other people, it's it's kind of like you know you hear about the bison issues in like Yellowstone with people getting too close because they think they're like cows and domestic. And this has happened last week. Mm-hmm. A girl got gored and trampled. Um, people don't take it seriously, and it's it's almost like they see so much of this on TV. They get up on Angel's Landing and they're like, oh well, yeah. It's almost like more surreal than they yeah. can handle and it feels fake and so they don't take it seriously right. I, and they just are casual and they back up to take the picture and they you know i mean I, it's 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 a weird scenario and people I, I i constantly see people who are not being as careful as they should be when they're doing things like that it's funny you were talking about the bison and stuff like the first time i was ever uh, with the, the grand tetons i was hiking with a, a friend's father we were going up past Jenny Lake and up to the glacier and stuff. It was just me and him, very little equipment. So I think we had a bottle of water in our hand. We, were, we weren't anticipating climbing. Flip-flops. So flip-flops. I had, I, had a, uh, I had a happy meal from McDonald's. <laughs> well, in your we, Walmart shopping bag. <laughs> so we get, across, we get across this little area and stuff like that. And uh, his, uh, this father you know, is a really much more diminished guy than I am. I'm a bigger fella and stuff. He grabs me with my shirt and slams me into a tree and says, on three, we're running down this hill. And I was like, what is he talking about? My first reaction was going to be a bear. Right. You know, and so I kind of did look past, you know, I looked past the tree for one second. And I see this moose with, you know, seven foot horns. I can't. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was operating under the impression that moose were friendly. (laughs) (laughs) There were things that might take a treat out of your hand like a, you know, like a a horse. (laughs) I didn't know this, but is it true that moose kill maybe one person a year? Like they're pretty, they have the capacity to be violent if they want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And it depends on the season. In the spring, the the cow moose is more dangerous because she's probably got you know calves around okay. and she's protecting them. Whereas in the fall and the, the rut, the males get very aggressive and territorial. There, are, you know, you see stories all the time on 
social media of mm-hmm. people in the Wasatch Front getting chased by moose or um, that was a guy's three or f- maybe five years ago in Park City they got trampled in the winter oh my gosh uh, punctured lung and stuff no they they're wild animals and yeah. uh, they we moved our houses into their neighborhood mm-hmm. and um, they remain wild um, they tolerate us as much as they can and every once in a while they say I've had enough I don't like the neighbors anymore <laughs> go away they, they really are large animals too. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know if it's because of like Rocky and Bullwinkle or what it is, <laughs> but you, you don't. I, I don't know. I, when you when you're close up to one, you realize just how large of an animal it is. It's a moose is significantly larger than a cow. Oh and yeah. And then Taller. they have the horns on and. Okay, they, guys, you keep saying horns. I got to tell you, they're, they're antlers. Not horns. Okay. What are the antlers? Mm. Yeah. Antlers fall off. Horns don't. Right. The, so and these the moose, they have out. these pointy things <laughs> attached to their heads, and uh, they look hat racks. There you go. Yes. <laughs> but I think you're right. You know, I mean, um, over time, I mean, basically, you know, I, I don't know that started when I was a kid, but I was certainly aware of, you know, cartoons humanized right um, wildlife and right. and you start to kind of, you know, I mean, let's well, let's let's just blame Smokey Bear. Right. right. I mean, he's this nice, cuddly guy who says only you could prevent forest fires. Yeah. Well, you, you see him out in the woods, you want to go give him a hug, right? No, <laughs> not not so much. Right. So all wildlife is dangerous. You know, that little squirrel that you decide to feed might have bubonic plague. Don't do it. Um, don't feed wildlife. It's it's a simple rule. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, that everything in wild in nature can, can hurt you some way or another. Not all the time, but they can. Right. What's the scariest thing you've seen uh, with wildlife? Uh, have you seen a mountain lion? I have. Um, you headed one, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it was drug. Right. Well, whatever. Um, I, I've seen mountain lion. I saw one in the wild as a young kid. Um, uh, and then I, you know, I did a story on one. There's a YouTube video of a, a, a research thing that I went on with um, Utah State University, the Division of Wildlife, um, and to replace the radial collar on a, on a female mountain lion that hers was was going dead so we went out and we actually you know we're riding mules in four feet of snow and and uh the hounds are chasing them and everything and actually um when we got to the one it was kind of confusing because they were getting these weird signals and it turns out that she was basically in heat and there was a male with her oh wow so the dogs went chasing off and when we found them with one, it was the male, the big male that we didn't need to <laughs> to be messing with. So we got the dogs off and took some pictures and left. And then we got the female later. And this, I should say, was follow. You know, this this happened um, about four years after I had gone out and done it before. Um, and we, they had six mountain lions that they had picked up within six miles on the radio signals. And the next morning we went out and they couldn't find one of them. So I rode a mule up and down, you know, steep, steep Where mountainsides. Were you? Where were you in the state? Um, we were on the ochres both times. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's so that's been a pretty amazing experience um, for me. I've crawled into bear dens um, with the division to help them count and weigh and check the health of cubs in the winter. With you and their moms in there. Uh huh. What does mama bear do? Well, contrary to popular belief, um, black bears specifically do not go into a very deep hibernation. Um, Their young can be preyed upon by other predators, Mm -hmm. and so the moms are kind of alert. And if 
you know, if it's kind of noisy and rambunctious, then they pop right awake. And I've been to a den where they went to jab, they have a jab pole with a tranquilizer on it, and they went to reach in to jab the um, female, and she bit the needle off and broke it. <laughs> they pulled it back out and, you know, tried to fix it, and, and then they tried to do it again, and she just swatted it and just broke the stick. And it was a pole. It was like an aluminum pole. Oh so Lord. that was kind of crazy. But the craziest one was, um, and I took my, 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 my oldest son with me when he was, I think, seven or eight on this. And we went to a den, and um, yeah, everything went wrong that could go wrong. And the, the bear was larger than they thought. The, had, um, the drug was old. Um, they hit her in the hip instead of the meat. Or the flesh and so she she kind of gets you know loopy and sleepy and they go in and get the cubs and everybody's like you know watching them work the cubs and i look up and the biologist's like hey whoa hey and you can see this this big bear and she was she's one of the bigger bears i've ever seen was this a black bear yeah they're only black bears in utah okay and so she was kind of like you know kind of stumbling around and they're like oh and there's all these people and they're holding their cubs. It was like, ah. and so um, I am scared to death of bears. Um, I, I appreciate them. They're amazing animals. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're a vital part of our, you know, e- ecosystems. And, um, but when I'm sleeping in bear country, I don't sleep. Mm-hmm. Everything I hear is a bear and you know and i'm i read too many bear attack books I'm right i'm the same way about juggalos well, there you go. <laughs> they're one and the same right yeah exactly so anyway we uh so i'm i'm, I'm kind of we're on this really steep um outside of this this den and we're on this steep kind of snow bankment and it's you know like 40 feet down and there's this rock field and she comes stumbling out of this den and i and the biologist is still in there? Well, they're trying to kind of keep her in. Okay. Like, they have some sticks, and they're tr- kind of trying to kind of push her back in, and she won't go. And so she comes kind of out, and she's looking around, and I realize that she's kind of in danger now because she's just out of it enough that she's not in full control. Mm-hmm. And she takes a step where there isn't a step and tumbles and starts to do a somersault down the snowbank towards these, this rock field. Holy Toledo. And I'm like... Not I'm down from her, yeah. right? And I'm on the snow field, and I, I'm, and I, before I even realized what I was doing, I jumped over, and I'm sliding <laughs> down the hill backwards like this, uh-huh. you know, with my hands up. I'm He's gonna, got his hands up, sliding backwards. Right, I'm sliding home. backwards, and I'm gonna stop this bear. Yeah. You're right? stop. Because I feel bad that you know we've disturbed her, oh, and yeah, she, yeah. We, she could break her neck on this. Yeah. Right, and then you've got these. Not about, to mention your own, exactly. And your son's there. Yeah, I know. Well, right, <laughs> we haven't mentioned him. In five I was, minutes. I was showing off. So anyway, and so luckily she was, she kind of flipped around and she was facing uphill and she dug her claws in and was able to kind of dig herself in and she ended up about 18 inches away from me oh you know i was like this and her butt was about 18 inches in front of me and she just turned around and gave me this look like what did you think i was going to do when you touch me (laughs) (laughs) and i just i just tried not to look her in the eye and just you know and and uh she ambled off and um i changed my underwear um i couldn't believe that i had done that um but I, I think it goes back to, to why I, I love covering wildlife because yeah. that experience and and I cared. I didn't I didn't want her to get hurt yeah. because of us. And so um, that was that was probably one of the, the you know major highlights. There have been so many. It's it's impossible to. So is that a story that you use often with your son? Where hey, <laughs> don't forget, 
I, I almost saved a bear. He doesn't Look, remember that part. I'm willing to do anything. He just remembers holding the Cubs. That's all he remembers. I could see that, but if, honestly, the other part is that if I almost saved a bear from falling off a cliff, I would start every conversation that way. You know, it's like, oh, nice to meet you, Ben Raskin. Uh, oh, by the way. Well, I don't know if you know this. I did I write a column a about it. Um, <laughs> Which was was really fun. Uh, and hopefully, it was a seventeen part column because I would just keep talking about this nonstop. Well, people who who know me were just amazed that I would even be anywhere near a bear. Did you have a bad experience as a kid, or no? I just... think I, I seriously think that I I when you know I was really interested in wildlife as as you know a, a teenager and, and college age student, and and when I started here, um, I still am. I love to read uh, research and and write stories about research about wildlife and. Um, when I saw, you know, uh, uh, bear bear books, mm-hmm. Yellowstone is a very special place to me, and uh, I think I I picked up a book by Stephen Herrero called "Bear Attacks Are Causes and Occurrences" mm-hmm. at one point, and uh, yeah, it was you were never the same. Uh, no, I wasn't, and uh, you know, uh, it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> you know, she's just sleep, I'm not sleeping at night, thanks. <laughs> you know, and you think you know it's. Um, it, when you have kids, it gets worse, you know. Well, you're worried about not just yourself. Yeah, I, I, my wife hates it. She's like, I, I, I set the sleeping bags up in the tent. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I get this wall, you get this wall. The kids are all in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sacrifice ourselves. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. Beyond the obvious reasons, you know, I mean, I think we all have a special connection with Yellowstone. And it, I, in my opinion, it only takes one visit to sort of develop that. Uh, what specifically about Yellowstone sets it apart, in your opinion? Gosh, you know, it just... The wildlife is is amazing to me, um, and uh, the history and and the the course that it helps set for this country in saving um, special places and yeah. creating national parks. You know the the junction of the Gibbon and the Madison River is where the they believe the first discussion about a place for all people was was had, and the discussion went something like. Oh, we should commercialize this and put up cabins and make people pay money. We'll make a lot of money. And, and somebody said, no, this should be for everybody. And we shouldn't make it so that, you know, people can't come because they can't afford it. Um, and so I really enjoy, especially when I go to that place and I think about these guys sitting around a campfire and, you know, and talking about about the right thing to do. Who was the, uh, the was it Mural? That did not Moran. Moran. Was he the one? Thomas he did, Moran. Thomas Moran. He did the paintings that yep. was brought back to Congress. That um, I, yeah, I get those two confused. There's a photographer, and I think he was the artist. He yeah. was the artist. Mm-hmm. What I always, I, I agree with you in that, that it should be for all people. And obviously, every time you go there, it's not just reserved for Americans. You know, I mean, there's such yeah. a global presence. And go to which a, is true of the Utah parks too. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's, for some reason, Yellowstone just has a much more global, feels like a global presence with that. Uh, it's a geothermics that is, mm-hmm. is second to none, you know, and it, it's crazy to think that, you know, that's possibly one of the American quote-unquote apocalypses that could impact this nation is that, you know, Yellowstone could go off, mm-hmm. but in the intermediate time, it's hard not to appreciate going and seeing, you know, the, 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 the geoactivity up there. Oh, it is phenomenal, and it totally adds to it, and, you know, I mean, the funny thing is, is that you know, of all the family trips we make, the pictures that we always love the most are the ones of the, the kids, you know, holding their nose because, <laughs> the, because the sulfur smell of the, 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 the um, thermal areas and the mud pots. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really special place. And I think it's really important to point out to people, and I think I told Kevin this when he first showed up at the Tribune, 
is that you're as close to Yellowstone and Salt Lake as you are to Utah's parks. And people, for some reason, don't make that connection. You know, we're four and a half hours, four hours, maybe even three and a half, depending on yeah. if you're like Kevin and drive like a <laughs> madman, from West Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, that's that's closer than the parks. Than Zion, yeah. 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 Um, and so, West Yellowstone is one of the coolest towns in this country. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it reminds me of all those travel lodge pictures. It's still It's a tourist town. Through and through, but it's a tourist town set in 1953. Yeah, you know, and you right? should go there in the um, in the in the winter when you know they don't plow the roads yeah. because the snowmobiles can't use them. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it's it's really interesting um, to see, and that's the other thing I love about the parks and and outdoors in general is your favorite places are never the same. Every time you go to your favorite place, it looks different. And that's that's the beauty and the wonder of the world. We were to put up. Uh, let's power rank. Uh, let's say you have five weekends this summer to go hit five different places here in Utah. Uh, what would if you had to power rank them? You're going to put a TPR Tribune power ranking. What, <laughs> what would you What would you suggest for somebody who had just a weekend off? You know, would it be Goblin? Would it be go to you know Arches down to? Uh, Canyonland, like uh, if, if you were to plan a summer out for a friend for just a weekend trip? Well, it would depend on the friend. I always have these little caveats, don't I? Fair um, I would say, Let's say you know, taking, I, you're taking Kevin. Oh, just well. you and Kevin. Yikes. <laughs> I, I'd, go, I'd go to Walmart, <laughs> Target, <laughs> the outlet stores, <laughs> up the Parleys, the Alpine Slide. <laughs> <you know. laughs> All right, that sounds like fun. I agree. No, I, I think I've sent you some very different places than that. Um, the, uh, the uh, you know, the one of the first places that comes to my mind is, is the Uinta Mountains. And, and it's so close, and it's such an escape from from Salt Lake. And it's so much different to me than the canyons. I mean, we live so close to Big and Wilcottonwood and, and Park City, and those are escapes for sure and can be really a, a solitude experience, right? But the Uintas are just... I don't know. There's just something about that place that really, for me, um, was kind of, uh, you know, really set that love of nature in me and um, the opportunity to fish and hike and see wildlife and, you know, get drenched in a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Yeah. And, you know, it, the wildflowers and gosh, it's just an amazing place. And and, you know, for years, I thought that was the only place in Utah that was like that. And then I discovered Boulder Mountain. Yeah. Which is very, very similar to to me in a lot of ways, but very different as well. Is that uh, Boulder down Escalante? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. arguably, if arguably, in my opinion, one of the best looking drives you'll ever uh, see absolutely. in the state of Utah, if not to Western United States. Absolutely, between Bryce and um, and Capitol Reef is yeah, is amazing. Just, Boulder Mountain's really amazing. You know, I'm not a proponent of motorcycles, but it's the only time I've ever wished I had one mm-hmm. as well. Driving that road, it just seems like the roads are banked perfectly yeah. and everything's opened it's up. It's a smooth ride. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So that Boulder is also ama- is a well kept secret. You know, yeah. it's it's amazing down there. There are some. Really I only said cool amazing five times, Kevin. Oh. Nice job. That yeah. was amazing. That was amazing. And I just told you know Kevin about a place to fish there. I hope he doesn't tell anybody. Is it the, um, water, uh, the powerhouse? <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Was it? All right. So then you know <laughs> I, just, I mean I had some luck there. <laughs> you know I, I think you almost probably should ask Kevin this because he's the one that's having family come out to visit right. and he's the one that's making the decisions about you know I got to show you this I got to show you this, um, but I think it's pretty typical, right? I mean you have to go to Arches. You have yeah. to go to Zion. I, it, 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I I think I think if you want if it's someone from out of town who hasn't you know it's their first time I think you have to go to Bryce too because and and I my wife and I we had this conversation driving back we were at Capitol Reef over the weekend and um to that that completed the the big five now we'd been to the five in Utah and so it was okay now it's time to rank them. And uh, for me, I, I put Bryce first, and it's the reason is because um, it's not like anything else. The the color of the rock there, I, I orange is my favorite color, and why is that? I I don't <laughs> know. It just is. is that why you always <laughs> wear that shirt? <laughs> yes. Um, How's the Syracuse basketball team doing? Well before <laughs> I ever went to Syracuse, orange was my favorite color. But just the color of the rock there and the rock formations is there's nothing like it. Like Capitol Reef is gorgeous, and so is Zion. But there are similarities there. There are the high cliff wall, the 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 cliff walls, and you can get down low into slot canyons where you're looking up. You know that kind of the narrows and parts of Capitol Reef. It, they aren't the same. Right. They're both beautiful in their own ways, but it, they aren't so different. Right. There's similarities there, whereas I just haven't seen anything yet that really matches what you see at Bryce. Right. Well, I'll tell you two things from that. One is that go to Cedar Breaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when we run the Where Is It Pitcher and I run Cedar Breaks, people always guess Bryce. There you go. It's, but it's a, it's so much smaller in scale. Yeah. But it's really a great place to visit as well. And yeah. it's got a fun little campground. It's close to Cedar City. There's a lot of things. You know, a lot of times I tell people, go to the Shakespeare Festival in Cedar and, and go up and see Cedar Breaks and see the wildflowers. They have a wildflower festival every year. It's it's a really cool little national monument that a lot of people who maybe can't get to Bryce can really enjoy what Bryce has yeah. on a much smaller scale. Um, we were shocked when we went to Bryce as a couple for the first time, how close it was, kind of like what you were saying. And uh, I think to you, what you're talking about with the orange being such a predominant color down there and you get all that great kind of high highland desert and stuff. Yeah. The thing that really took, struck me is that we went in August and the stars at night mm-hmm. in Bryce, second to none. I don't think there's not a drop of light pollution anywhere in that area. And uh, it's like you're literally walking in the Milky Way, not to be too poetic about it. It is stunning at is night. Is that another I, bucket list teaser? It seems like it is, yeah. yeah. I, I've been to Bryce three times. All three times, it was cloudy at night. <laughs> I kid Which you not. Which doesn't like, happen a lot. Um, there's something about the atmosphere down there that um, – it, It's me. It's yeah. they, they typically have um, cloudless nights for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, that's what the rangers have told me and i so i'm sorry but uh, that just means you have to keep going right i i am more than willing to go again although last year we went memorial day weekend and my we froze our tokens mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. that well, which is why we didn't go again this year see and that's the other thing about bryce that's kind of nice is that um and, and cedar breaks is the same kind of thing it's higher elevation it's right. the highest elevation park so in the middle of summer when right. there's everybody from Italy and Japan and Germany and, and Germany and are, Germany. are in Zion and, and arches and um, Canyonlands go to Bryce and right. I mean, you'll still see people, but it, you won't, you know, see them. You won't see sweaty people. <laughs> yeah. L- l- last year we did the exact opposite of what you should have done. <laughs> Memorial day. We went to Bryce 4th of July. We went to Zion. Uh, Not smart. Yeah. Other yeah. way around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so we did uh, Dead Horse Point for the first time this mm-hmm. last, well, it was actually last year, and uh, 
And I remember we were walking the little trail from the visitor center to the Dead Horse Point. Uh, it was about a quarter of a mile, and then, you know, there's a road leading up to it. Is that one of the most disappointing hikes in Utah, or am I just, you know, am I just sour grape in this one? You've been spoiled, let's say. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, – uh, did you want a longer hike? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we, we wanted to burn some calories, you know. It's, it's, we could have walked back and forth by that. <laughs> like I'm trying to figure out if you're saying you were disappointed with the view no, or the just view, the, the space. The view is just – all right. Well, they've taken care of that since then. Well, maybe not since you were there, but the view, the intrepid mountain bike trail, will oh. will give you some calorie burning. Okay. So you can do that while you're there and stay in the new yurts while you're there too. I mean, in terms of view, I don't think there's that might. Oh, it could be the best vantage point in the entire state, if not the western. You know, United there's States. there's a couple within Canyonlands that are really remote. Mm-hmm. That when you get to them, there's a place called Oxbow Bend, and. I, it's you're you're How not you as high there? on a river trip. Ah. What's the crater hike? Um, it's in it is in Canyonland, Upper Canyonland, not the lower one. But it's when you go into the park. I'm trying to remember the name of we did. It's the one where they could actually see where the meteor strike came in. So the blue mm. rock is tilted almost at like a forty degree I, angle and stuff. Yeah, the short it's it's a short hike. It's, it's about a two, mile. Yeah, there's two parts. There's that, a short. I only do long hikes. So. Yeah, well, I mean, as I do as well, of course. You know, <laughs> I, I know which one you're talking about, and that we I did it with the girls, mm-hmm. and I was so deathly afraid. I, it, it's this irrational fear, which is why it doesn't make sense that Bryce is my my favorite. <laughs> that I'm going to fall in, or that my children are going to fall in. It it happened. It's like it happened there. It yeah. happened at Bryce. It happened at the Grand Canyon. Like. It's this irrational fear that I am going to fall in, and uh, yeah, that I did not like yeah. where you're talking about. Did you get at pushed all. as a kid into something? Or? Never did. No, <laughs> no. A garbage can or something. And, and the, the the worst part is we did a we did a hike at uh, at Bryce. It was along the the rim, and there was one part where you you know I have a five year old and a seven year old daughter daughters and. Uh, you couldn't walk side by side. You had to go straight line. I was like, oh, no, don't – just don't – I had the, the hand of the five-year-old. She was in front of me. I was like, do not lean one way because I will fall in, and it will actually happen. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, sometimes you could say that's a rational fear. You know? um, that was one time it might might have been rational. Most of the times when you're standing at the Grand Canyon, you are not going to fall in. It's okay. Well, don't lean forward, and you will be fine. So uh, I have another question for you because uh, when I was a Boy Scout growing up in Las Vegas, we did the narrowest hike mm-hmm. when uh, this had to have been easily 30 years ago. And uh, you still needed a permit to camp overnight over there. Mm-hmm. We're looking to make you possibly do a trip this summer. Um, obviously, with all the rainfall that we've had recently, it's probably – is that going to impact any hiking in the narrows in the upcoming months? Or it, Not in the upcoming months. Just um, – it that's – in that case, it's a very, uh, um, you know – timely thing it's going to happen right then okay um you know the at the most 24 hours after a storm so my question well i, have, I guess three-part question one have you done the hike before two do you think it's a hike that should be appreciated over two days or three do you think it's a hike that should be done in one um i will always side on the taking more time always if it's possible i know it's not always possible um 
just because you can just appreciate everything and you don't feel rushed, you don't feel pressured. I mean, you know, we go to those places to not feel that, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, why go to escape that from our everyday life to go experience it in nature where we're trying to get away from it? So I would always say, if you have more time, take more time. Um, I have not done the Narrows completely. Really? Believe it or not, no, it's uh, it's kind of weird. Have um, you gone from the bottom? Up, I've gone from the bottom like up. up to Wall Street. Mm, at, yeah, um, it's been a long time since I did it, actually, too. So I, I, I would, you know, like I said, I would always say to try to make it longer if you have time, um, and is if it, you're comfortable staying staying out that long. You know, some people just one night is all they can tolerate because they don't sleep and. Because of bears. Well, yeah. Well, there's know. no bears in mountain lions. <laughs> there are. You would probably rest very easily. I don't think there's any bears. There, there are no. bears down there. Actually, yeah, I've, I've, uh, and there are the mountain lions. Well, mountain lions, you, we should always be afraid of. Right. But those you can sleep through. Right. I remember is when I did this. They hike, just cuddle with. You. Right. Exactly. When I did this hike as a kid, I remember packing my bag, you know, with like the Ziploc bags, to make sure everything was watertight and stuff. And so if you hike the first part of the Narrows, which I think is about seven or eight miles or so, mm -hmm. to get to where they have that uh, des uh, designated campground, I remember like eating a can of soup and you know mm -hmm. like falling asleep roughly and waking up the next morning going like, well, I guess I don't have to waterproof my gear because we're just going to hike right to the truck next. You know, as it turns out, the mm -hmm. second half of the trip is the worse. Was Oh, it's you're up. You know, as yeah. a five foot kid, you know, you're you're up to your elbow, up to your elbows in water. That bag was so water soaked by the oh time I gosh. got to the end. Of that, I think I kicked it to the parking lot. Oh my <laughs> gosh! If there was any tears, it was the last mile of that right. hike, as opposed to the previous fourteen. Wow. Well, you know, and that being said, I, you know, I've heard tremendous things about the narrows, and and it is it's on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. I just. You know, it's there's so many things that it's it's always good to have something epic like that to you know keep on the top. Um, and I've experienced a lot of things that a lot of people have never and will never experience. And so, in some ways, that's kind of more important to me yeah. than a place that a lot of people have been. But that being said, I, I absolutely have to do it at some point. I'll probably wait until um, my kids are a little older and we could all go. Well, and as we're wrapping this up, I'm going to put your feet to the fire. All right. Started off with Kevin, you know, wanting to know where to go and <laughs> obviously where the fish are and stuff. Give a, and now we, you said you like the green. Mm -hmm. and I said that's mm -hmm. one of your places you like. You obviously, I think you like the Weber and you like the Provo for uh, reasons. But And uh, we're not trying to give away all the great spots, but give us one off the beaten path that's about two hours away from Salt Lake City. Throw one essay. Strawberry is, I mean, but that's not. There no we fish talked there. about that last time anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really hard not to say strawberry because it's so amazing um, to everybody but Kevin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's it's definitely, you, you've got to try. And, and really, the early spring and the late fall are the two best times. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're kind of trolling and stuff. Or the fish head a little deeper. Um, but, you know, um, there's a lot of little rivers and streams and stuff that, you know, Utah has that are, are really the gems, you know. I mean, they're the, the places that lead to the bigger rivers and um, are the, you know, nurseries of, 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 of Utah. And there's, I'd say, well, okay, so Pine View. Pine View, okay. For Tiger Muskie. 
There we go. See, this is what this is how you had asked the question, Kevin. There you go. Fine view for tiger muskie, which you know they say they're a fish of like ten thousand casts, which means it takes that many to catch one. <laughs> right. So for you, it'll be like a hundred thousand. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been trying since I was born. <laughs> Yuba is coming on with pike. I mean, not coming on. It's been on for a while and still producing. They just did a uh, effort to try to feed all those pike mm-hmm. by catching perch at Fish Lake and transporting them to Yuba to feed them. Uh, you know, uh, but it's a part, e- important part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Both are introduced species, and they need each other to survive. So, um, uh, let's see. Uh, you know, f- I got Fish Lake is farther than two hours, okay. but it really is a great destination, and it is one of the most scenic fisheries in the in the state, if not, you know, the country really, and, and especially in the fall. There's humongous quaking aspen stands up there. And it's just a brilliant place to fish. Um, and the, the, the numbers of fish that you can catch there is, is off the charts. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of some others. You know, Jordanelle and Deer Creek, and they, they get overlooked a lot, mm-hmm. but there are some quality fisheries. Um, uh, a lot of warm water species, smallmouth bass, walleye. Do you still like East Canyon? I always like East Canyon, you know. Um, fond minutes, memories. It's 45 minutes away. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's perfect sometimes. 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 You know, um, and, and uh, the Logan River is a good one. That's, you know, not too far away. Um, it's, that's one of the most scenic canyons around for sure. Um, I, you know, as a guy that wrote the book on fishing here in Utah, uh, are you making any plans to do an addendum to that? Uh, uh, maybe a episode two version two, two well so i it, it's it's actually in a second edition now okay um i haven't been asked yet to do a third although who knows um i did just do a, a, a revision of a book hiking utah's high is that's coming out right about now awesome with globe pequot so um that'll that'll be hitting soon and redoing that book really really pushed me to want to to go back and do some serious time in the UN is um, it, it's kind of reminded me of when I wrote the Fishing Utah book, um, the original, because the very last stuff I worked on was the UN Mountains. My deadline was October 31st, mm-hmm. November 1st. I was in the UN Mountains fishing oh, wow. because I just I <laughs> I did a really good job of writing about it. You know, <laughs> I had to go check it out. So, um, like, like I, we started with, it was such a such a special place and. Um, just just a, an easy way for people to connect with nature and fishing and hiking and and everything and and a great place for families to experience so many first um first fish first camping trip first hiking trip you know first wilderness area trip that that kind of stuff so um it's it's and you know what that's that's an hour away too mm-hmm. and those lakes are the roadside lakes are stocked so heavily that even kevin could catch fish <laughs> true well, A, you know, on behalf of the Tribune, myself and Kevin, congratulations on the new position. Thank oh, you. Sorry to lose you here. Uh, but people can still follow you on Twitter, at mm-hmm. Brett Prettyman. Yep, and I invite people to check out my Facebook page. And um, I'm, I'm probably, because I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Tribune's fishing blog, but I'm considering, you know, starting that either through TU or on my own. <laughs> Just to kind of, you know, I think people have come to expect that I try to help them get the most out of their fishing opportunities in Utah, and I want to keep that going. Absolutely. So for, uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter. Check out his Facebook page. Uh, to get all of Kevin's tweets, uh, go to at KWinMo. I'm at Benny Raskin. Uh, 
Thank you very much for listening. Uh, once again, Brett, thank you. Thank you. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>